Pittsburgh Steeler fans. This is behind the steel curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you once again on a Thursday morning. This is Steeler Stat Geek. Woo, here we go. We are rolling into week five already. It is October, and unfortunately, the Pittsburgh Steelers are one and three. Out of all these other stats and all these other things, that's really the determining factor. And being one and three, that's not a good thing. And there's no excuses. There's no justifications. They are, this team is who, what their record says that they are. So they are a one and three football team. And they are facing one of, if not the best football team in the NFL, which we'll talk about in the second half coming up this week. But for now, you know, we're going to break down the the last game a little bit because there was a big change during the game. The Pittsburgh Steelers went from Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett at halftime. We're going to break down those numbers and say, was there a big numerical difference between the first half and second half? I'm going to go ahead and say it. You know, I'm the stats guy, everything else. I can give you some stats and some things like that. But sometimes it's not about the numbers. Now, now, if the numbers work out that they're good, that's good. But sometimes it's not about the numbers. Sometimes it's it's more than that. And that's what I still feel is true. Coach Tomlin, he implements this same philosophy, and I agree with it. When it comes to analytics and numbers, it's a combination of using those and going with what's rolling, what's working on, you know, basically going with your gut. You know, you use the numbers combined with how other things are going in order to to make a determination. For example, there are still people out there that say they are furious that the Steelers went for an onside kick in the playoffs against the Jaguars in the 2017 season. I was at that game, and I've talked about this a bunch. And you could talk numbers and you could talk everything you want. But bottom line is, Coach Tomlin had a gut feeling that that went along with the numbers. Do you know what the numbers said? You were probably 50-50 on what you wanted to do. He went with his gut, and I don't blame him there because the only way you see the football again in that game, if you can, if, if the if the Jaguars get the recovery, is if there's if you stop them three and out and the Steelers had not done that all stinking day, they had not got a three and out the whole time. So whether you get that three and out at the 25 yard line, back then it was the 20 yard line. If you kick it away, I'm pretty sure they hadn't changed that yet. Or whether you get it at, at the, you know, the, the, the 45 yard line or so, or, you know, or midfield, because of of not getting the onside kick, you were going to have to make the stop of the three and out. So go so increasing your odds by saying we're also going to give ourselves a chance to recover the kick, and we're still going to be sitting there with in the same situation, with maybe the only difference being field position. That you the only way you're going to touch the ball again is is to make the stop. Well, what ended up happening? was the Steelers did, had such a poor execution of the onside kick. It did not go 10 yards. It was touched by one of their own players. There was a penalty from that point. If if it just would have been a failed attempt, 
you're looking at even if the Jaguars don't get a first down, they're still not in field goal range. But because of where they started that drive, because of where the ball ended up and the penalty, all they had to do was get close to a first down and they were in field goal range. And that's what ultimately happened. And then the Steelers get the ball back and, and everyone's hooting hollering. The the thing is, is the worst possible thing that could have happened other than the Jaguars returning the ball for a touchdown is what happened on that play. And I, I still say this to people that want to argue about it. If those exact same three plays were run by the Jaguars, then the Steelers, I don't think would I don't think they would have got the ball again. If this it hadn't been for those penalties that put the Jaguars in field goal range, I don't think the Steelers would have got the ball again. Because if you recall, it was fourth and inches. And the way the Jaguars were running the ball, they probably would have gone for it on fourth down and got it. So would have, could have, should have. But that, that's just an example of how sometimes it's the numbers and kind of a, the game situation going on all at once. So I know that was a little trip down memory lane that most of us would rather forget. I think I'd rather take this pencil I'm holding and stab myself in the eye than I have to watch that game again. But I digress. We are entering the Kenny Pickett era of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Boom. It happened at halftime. I... I didn't even have that on my radar, something that that would happen at that point. Cause I'm just, I'd gotten so used to it. I'm like, the Steelers are slow playing Kenny Pickett. They're not going to pay, play him until they are 100% ready to do it. They're not going to play him until they're 100% ready to do it. And I just didn't believe that they were going to do it differently until I actually saw it. I, I do the same thing when I predict the inactives list. Uh, they'll, they'll be someone who's inactive and they're like, Oh, maybe they'll be active this week. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not going to change that one until I see the Steelers actually say or do something to make me think otherwise. Because if you're a betting person and you want to bet on what that the Steelers will keep doing what they've been doing or they'll make a change, your safest bet that will win you more money is that they're going to keep doing what they're going to do. I love it when they do something that surprises me. It's great. It still happens. But more often than not, they don't. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, people are like, oh, they should have Isaiah Loudermilk active. Until I see them actually do it, I'm not, pre- I'm not predicting it. I would, I, this week, I was a little bit more going into him saying, you know, maybe it'll be Stephen Sims and not Gunnarow. I suggested after his first fumble that there was the possibility. Now, Sims is saying he's going to get, he's going to get to be the guy this weekend. So there you go. Now I've got a whole different reason for them to be changing stuff up. But when it came to Kenny Pickett, I wasn't ready for them to say they were going to make a change until it was actually done. When I saw the tweets from Joe Rudder that Kenny Pickett was warming up on the sidelines and Mitch Trubisky's wearing a hat, I about lost it because one reason is because I was sitting um, across the room from one Jeff Hartman watching the game at his house because once again, I, the game was not in our area. I don't even get it this weekend. Almost the whole nation gets the Steelers and Bills, and I'm not getting it because I'm in the Washington network and they're actually playing on CBS. Oh, it's ridiculous. I... I Missed up all my plans and I was just going to be home, but it's all right. It's more, it's more important to see the Steelers. Whew. But I, I looked at Jeff and I'm like, and I told him that he's like, what? He's like, I'll believe it when I see it. And I'm like, I think it's happening. He jumps on, he starts looking on Twitter and he couldn't believe it. he's like, Oh my goodness, this is happening. This is happening. And, uh, 
Then Kenny Pickett came back and gave him a 10-point lead. I'm like, this is happening. This is rolling on. I, I, I still can't believe the Steelers lost that game. I just – I never thought about that. I never thought they would have given up touchdowns on both drives. But uh, it is what it is, and the Steelers are now uh, one and three, and they have a, a, a tough stretch of games to try to bring that back. But nothing is out of, out of the question. But looking at this game, it's the Kenny Pickett era. Let's see how the numbers are different. You're like, come on, Dave, get to the numbers. Yeah, I know. Well, sometimes you're probably like, Dave, that's just too many numbers. But if you look, look at it, both Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett attempted 13 passes in the game. Trubisky completed seven of them to his own team and one to the other team. And Kenny Pickett completed 10 of them to his own team and three to the other team. Uh, but despite the three interceptions, Kenny Pickett had a much higher quarterback rating. He had 65.1 to 41.8. Kenny Pickett had 120 yards versus Mitch Trubisky's 84. Uh, Kenny Pickett had two rushing touchdowns. Uh, and the, and the team scored 14 points versus the first half. They only scored six. And you could argue that the Steelers did not really do very much to get the second three points. Sorry, the Steelers' offense did not do uh, very much to get the second three points. Or we can even just say this. They did nothing other than take a shot to the, to, to the chin. That's all that happened for them to get the second three points. It was set up. That, well, I, I forgot. There was one completion. There was one completion and then a timeout. Uh, sorry, I, I almost missed that one. So they didn't do anything. But it was set up. I mean, I mean, the Jets were getting ready to probably kick a field goal. I mean, they were not even probably. They were at the Steelers 29. Um, not much time. 20 seconds or 30 seconds left. Just over 30 seconds left. And they're probably going to get a field goal to go up 13 to three. And instead, but going for the touchdown, which I don't, you know, I'm, that's what you do. You go for the jugular. Cam Sutton gets the interception, goes out of bounds. The Steelers complete one pass for 14 yards. Then they have an incompletion, you know, trying to get close enough for the field goal, have the incompletion, throw the Hail Mary that is intercepted, would have been another one for, for Trubisky. Um, but like I said, interceptions on a, Hail Mary, on a Hail Mary is an interception on a Hail Mary. Um, but he, they got called for roughing, and Boswell hits the 59-yarder. That was really set up by the defensive takeaway and the great special teams and the penalty on the Jets. So, but regardless, it was still six points that the Steelers scored in the first half. So, but let's look at some other things that went on. Okay. So you've got, I mean, let's, let's look at the rushing overall. In the first half, the Steelers rushed 14 times for 63 yards, which was a 4.5 average. In the second half, the Steelers rushed 17 times for 56 yards, which was a 3.3 yard average. Um, what brought the average down? Uh, I mean, Kenny Pickett didn't have a long average, but when you're going for it on fourth and one or third and goal and you're one yard away, getting one yard is a win. When normally on a rushing play, get, getting only one yard is considered more of a loss. So, and Jalen Warren only had one rush for one yard where he had some, he had much more in the first half. But if let's look at specifically at Najee Harris here, this is what I like first half. Najee Harris, nine carries, 37 yards, a long of 13. Okay. Najee Harris, second half, nine carries, 37 yards, a long of 16. Almost, I mean, I, I, other than the length of the longest run, identical numbers for Najee Harris from one half to the other. Nine carries, 37 yards, 4.1 average. 
I just I find that kind of interesting uh, with that that it was it was the same output from the from the first running back. You know, all the other things are just a, a tweaked a little bit here or there. Um, I mean, the Steelers had more rushing attempts in the second half with Pickett, but Pickett had more rushing attempts than Trubisky did. So that that's part of it. Let's look at the receiving because there's going to see some you're going to see some things that are that are close okay uh Chase Claypool targeted once zero receptions in the first half uh Deontay Johnson targeted twice zero receptions in the first half Pat Fairmuth targeted five times four receptions 49 yards Jalen Warren targeted once one reception four yards and George Pickens targeted four times two receptions 31 yards okay so how did that compare to the second half? Okay, second half, here, here you go. Deontay Johnson, two targets, just like the first half, but two receptions for 11 yards. All right. Uh, Zach Gentry, one target, one reception, two yards. That was Kenny Pickett's first completion. Chase Claypool, once again, one target, no receptions, no yards. He, that was um, on the deep ball on the interception, which – Honestly, some people are like, oh, you should have you should have thrown it sooner, this, that. That was set up for him to throw it deep the whole time. There was a nice little screen pass. They could have had a Jalen Warren. Only one guy was out there. That was set up to go deep. I'm convinced that they wanted to go deep on, on Kenny Pickett's first pass because they wanted the defense to know we are willing to, to go deep. Because, you know, they might have started creeping up to the line thinking, oh, rookie quarterback, they're not going to want to go deep as much. We're not going to have to worry about it. So you go deep in the first play, and then that way you can't say that you're that you're not expecting it. He needed to throw the ball more towards the sidelines, outside the numbers. Claypool catches it more on the run. It, it was the first pass. It was a long shot. It was basically – they weren't in field goal range yet, so it didn't take those points off the board, but they could have moved into field goal range there at midfield. But uh, it was basically like a punt. Um that's why if you want to take that shot there, some people didn't like it on first down, but I don't know that they would have expected it on first down. So that's a better time to do it as well. Some people thought maybe he was open sooner. If you go back and look at the play, Chase Claypool didn't even turn around to look for the ball until he was at the 25. If Kenny Pickett throws it to him too early, he's throwing it to him before he looks. And if he throws it to him right as he looks, he would have had to throw it to him before he made his break. And the safety on the not on the side of the field that Claypool was on, but was on the other, was actually cutting into the middle of the field to take that away. And then when then when Clay, Claypool broke deep, the safety had to turn turn his hips and and, and get and, and and get back because he had kind of moved in to try to take away the the, the earlier throw. Um, pretty interesting that. Anyway, I broke that down that play too much. Let's go to Pat Fryermuth. Now you're forgetting what the numbers are, and I am too. In the first half, Pat Fryermuth was targeted five times, four receptions, 49 yards. Second half, Pat Fryermuth was, was targeted four times, three receptions, 36 yards. So pretty similar. Um, the, the one time he didn't catch it, that was the interception. Uh, there was no targets for Jalen Warren. George Pickens, now remember, first half, four targets, two receptions, 31 yards. Second half, four targets, four receptions, 71 yards. Big difference. Remember, a lot of that was on that last play for them to get close enough to throw the Hail Mary. Um, so that's what, what what put them over there. So that's just some of the numbers behind them. Here's another thing that's kind of interesting. Imagine, let's say this. Let's take Kenny Pickett's second half numbers and say, let's double them to see if Steelers fans would be content with that being what he did in a game. Okay. Well, what did he do? He had, he had uh, 10 of 13. So if he was 20 for 26, okay. 
instead of 120 yards, 240 yards. Okay. Well, Pickett had two rushing touchdowns. I'm not going to double that nor he's going to have four rushing touchdowns. I'm going to be surprised if he has two rushing touchdowns in the same game. But let's just say two touchdowns. Okay. Let's say you even just, just even make it three touchdowns total. Uh, you know, Steelers fans would be happy with, with Pickett being responsible for three touchdowns. But there was also three interceptions. But the Steelers had no punts. Now, if Kenny Pickett, if you double that and he's going to throw, have six turnovers in a game, he's not going to be the quarterback very long. I don't see that being the case. But let's say instead of three turnovers, his first game rookie, let's say it's one turnover and two punts, which means for the game that would make it equate to two turnovers, four punts. You're probably going to think that. Even if it's one turnover and five punts, that's probably – that would be an adequate stat line for a quarterback making his his first start. I also don't know that that's going to get it done against the Buffalo Bills. That's a whole different story. I want to look at one other thing before we before we go to the uh, – um, what's that? What's uh, before the break? Well, I got two different things. One is I wanted to look at uh, Kenny Pickett's and Mitch Trubisky's advanced stats specifically for that game. For for example, I'll give you some some exa- uh, advanced stats for Trubisky in that game. He was blitzed three times. He was hurried once, hit once. He faced five pressures. He scrambled one time for one yard, um, and his receivers had two drops. This is according to Pro Football Reference, which has more drops in this game than what PFF did. With Kenny Pickett, he was blitzed once, wasn't hurried. He was hit twice, so that was two pressures. He scrambled twice for five yards per scramble, um, and he had one drop. Now, another thing that they actually have here is is they they have a metric on P- PFR. They count bad throws. They just say it was a bad throw. Kenny Pickett in the game was credited for one bad throw. Mitch Trubisky, two bad throws. Okay. So Trubisky was sacked three times. Kenny Pickett wasn't sacked at all. If you then, so those are some stats that they're not all that, the scrambling was a little bit better. They're not all that crazy different. What about yards after the catch? Yards after the catch. Mitch Trubisky, when in, in his completions, the Steelers had 25 yards after the catch. That was 3.6 yards after the catch per completion. Kenny Pickett, they had. Uh, where did that 40 yards after the catch, which is 4.0 yards after the catch per completion. So that's an extra point four. You're like, Oh, there you go. Well, but there was somewhere else where, where Mitch had the advantage in the, in, in of that point four a- advantage. And that came, where'd that come from? I got to find it. Here you go. Who completed air yards per completion. Okay, meaning how far were you throwing it down downfield and everything on your completions? Trubisky's in the first half of that game. He had 8.4 completed air yards per completion, where Pickett had 8.0. So that's another point four in the opposite direction of where you want it to be. So as you can see, the, the advanced stats show it slightly better, but it's not like it was a huge night and day. But if you're a Steelers fan looking at that game and you're like, it just felt different offensively in that second half. If Kenny Pickett can can keep the, the, the turnovers down and keep doing the same kind of stuff, it'll be interesting to see his stat line on Sunday. Real quick, before we finish the first half, something I did not start off with, which I want to start each show with, but I forgot instead I talked about that onside kick from five years ago, um, well, five seasons ago. 
And that is the Zebra Technology Stats of the Week. Anything that was had to do with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got a couple of them this time. A couple of them. One of them has to do with Najee Harris and the defensive alignment. Um, according to, to Zebra Technologies, there were five running backs in the NFL this past week that, that uh, did not face a single box that had eight or more players in the box. Um, and they all had different success rates. Najee Harris did not. He had 74 rushing yards on 18 attempts. Um, and, and that was for a, they said minus two rushing yards over expectation. So they would have expected him to gain two more yards than he would have. Some of the guys like Aaron Jones had like 27 rushing yards over expected. Someone like Dalvin Cook had 26 yards under. So Najee was right around what that would be, if that's an interesting stat that you think so or not. But here's another one. Here's another one I thought was interesting, and that is rookie wide receiver George Pickens' third quarter 13-yard catch. That's the one on the sidelines where he went up, both feet in, snagged the ball out of the air. There were even one where both feet actually touching the ground. Uh, you know, it wasn't challenged or anything like that. Uh, great completion. It was the most improbable catch of week four, coming in at a completion probability of 19.1%. And then Pickens averaged 20.1 air yards per target, which was third among pass catchers. He caught six of his eight targets for 102 yards. Pickens could be a boost in the downfield passing game for rookie Kenny Pickett. That is straight from Zebra Technologies and their stats that they sent out. So with that, we are going to take our break. And when we come back, you know what it's time for. Let's check the standings. Or, I'm sorry, the rankings of the Steelers and the Bills for this week's matchup. Hold, you know, get get ready to cringe because it's it, the numbers are not pretty. So stick around, stick around. You want to hear how unpretty they are? Because then, if the Steelers come back and win this game, if they win this game, just think of how how big of it would be for them to 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 erase this difference. So stick around to check those out. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Let's dive into some more numbers. This is the matchup with the Buffalo Bills. In Buffalo Week 5, the Pittsburgh Steelers are currently 14-point underdogs. If that line holds, it will be the biggest, where they have the biggest underdog in their history since they started keeping these, tracking these stats. I'm trying to remember. I think it was the late 70s. I'm not sure. But I know... Previously, the biggest underdog the Steelers have ever been was in, in the Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl 30 in 1995. Well, the 95 season had happened in 96, where they were 13 and a half point underdogs. We'll see if the line holds. Doesn't matter. Let's, rather than get into lines, let's get into rankings. Where do these two teams stand after roughly a quarter of the NFL season? You know, both teams have played four, four games. Talk about on the different end of the spectrum. Let's check the offenses first. Buffalo. Ooh, let's start where they're the worst. 
Let's go with their rushing offense. They were they're averaging 115.5 yards per carry. No, not per carry. 115.5. That'd be a great yards per carry. Yards per game. Sorry. Yards per game. 115.5. That has them 12th in the NFL. Yes. That is their best. And the Steelers rushing, that is tied for their best ranking because they have 97 and a quarter yards per game. They're getting there. They're getting closer to that 100. Um, that's 23rd in the NFL. So the worst rank that the Bills have on offense is 12th. The best that the Steelers have, although it's tied with something else, is 23rd. Whew, a big difference in the offenses. But it's still Kenny Pickett time. We'll see how that goes. Um, how about um, passing yards? The Bills, they average 297 passing yards a game, second in the NFL, and they're going against the Steelers who the first day, my goodness, both starting safeties, the top three corners, all on the injury list. My goodness, Steelers had seven players on the injury list all on defense. Whew, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, hopefully he can play. Don't know that uh, Terrell Evans is going to be able to come through the protocol with him not practicing on Wednesday. We'll see how that goes up against the number two uh, passing attack in the NFL, where the Steelers, their passing attack, they're 28th, averaging 181.5 yards a game. That's on opposite ends of the spectrum. When you talk about points per game, where it's probably the most important of all these, the Bills are fifth in the NFL. They average 28.5 points a game, where the Steelers average exactly 10 points less at 18.5 points per game, and they are 23rd in the NFL there. That's the other one that was tied with the with their ranking when it came to rushing. And the yardage, which is the one that ultimately determines where teams rank at the end. I still say points are going to tell you a little bit more about the teams because that's what the whole point is, is to score points and not give up points. But when it comes to the yardage, the Buffalo Bills average 412.5 yards per game. That is third in the NFL. The Steelers average 278.75 yards a game. That is third from the bottom. That is 30th. So as close as the Bills are to the top, that's how close the Steelers are to the bottom. And some people think, oh, the Steelers' rushing defense is so bad. No. The overall yardage of the offense is the worst ranking that the Steelers have up and down the board. Um yeah, it's just these offenses are not comparable right now. Well, they are in one aspect. Both offenses, well, I guess technically two aspects. Both offenses have turned the ball over seven times. Both offenses have been sacked eight times. Identical in those two categories. Otherwise, all the yardage and all the points, everything is overwhelming uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Now for the really disheartening stuff. If you think the Bills' offense ranks high, wait till you see their defense. Let's start with their worst rank on defense. We'll start with their rushing defense that only gives up 88.75 yards per game and is third best in the NFL. That's right. Their rushing defense being third best in the NFL is their lowest rank on defense of the things that I cover where the Steelers rushing defense, they are, they give up 131 and a half yards per game. They are 24th. Now I know some people, and this is some of this was like the, the Pittsburgh media were, were quoting that the Steelers were lasted rushing defense at that point last week. That's actually because the Steelers media release messed 
up their numbers. What do you know? Another clerical error. And this was a numerical error. Bottom line is, what they did when people were going and looking at that, some of the some of the report. I know Bob Labriola quoted this in his Asked and Answer column. He was wrong, but he was only wrong because he trusted the Steelers to give him the right information. And they were, you know, what rankings they put they put in last year's rankings. They they literally listed out exactly how the Steelers finished twenty twenty one. They didn't have the twenty twenty two rankings. So when so when some of these people were saying, "Oh, they're the worst rushing defense in the league," no, that's how they finished last year. It's not like it's great. It's not like it's wonderful. It's twenty fourth. It is what it is. It's still not good enough to get them to be better than one and three. Now let's look at the other. So let's go to the passing defense. And you might have already heard this if you're someone who follows social media with the Steelers. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills are the number one passing defense in the NFL. 150.75 yards a game is what they give up. Yikes. Where the Steelers are 21st, with the, where they give up 251.5 uh, uh, yards per game through the air. And that's not good when you're facing one of the best air attacks in the in the league, and you're missing. Um, I don't know that they're missing yet, but you're you have a lot of players in the secondary that are banged up that you don't know are going to be available. Hoy, okay, let's go to points. Uh, got to do this one because I got to do where the Bills aren't as good. How about where they're second in the NFL, only giving up fourteen point five points a game? The Steelers are fifteenth. They are in the top half. They give up twenty two point five points a game. So that's the best rank on the Steelers, offense or defense, of any of these uh, four major stats. Because when you go to yardage, the Buffalo Bills are the number one defense in the NFL. Number one defense in the NFL through four weeks, 234.5 yards. Where the Steelers um, give up 383 yards, they are 24th in the NFL. So you were talking about the Steelers' 24th defense going up against the Bills' third offense. And the and the Steelers' thirtieth um, offense going going up against the Bills first in the league defense. This is not a good matchup when it comes to the numbers. Hence, why there's such a big spread. To, to finish it off, Steelers have turned the ball. Oh no, sorry, the Steelers have taken away the ball eight times this season. You think, oh, that's pretty good to a game. The Bills have nine. They have the advantage there. The Steelers, 10 sacks in the season. The Steelers are always known for sacks. The Bills, 13. Now, could you know they, they've obviously played some different opponents and things of that nature, but you know, you're four games in. It, you're starting to get more of these trends. And everything, everything on paper says the Bills defense is superior to the Steelers. The Bills offense is superior to the Steelers. That is why they are two touchdowns favorites at home, and that is a huge spread. And all these numbers on paper say these things. But football games aren't played on paper. They're played in side TV sets. So, sorry. Or, you know, they're, they're, they're played on the field. You know, bad joke. Stole from Sports Center a decade ago. Probably two decades ago by this point. Man, I'm old. Those numbers are discouraging. And I don't want people to get discouraged because you know what? You should, Steelers fans should be encouraged because. This team is moving forward. Jeff Hartman talked about the Steelers are ahead of schedule with the rebuild. Talking about the rebuild. If if this ends up really being a rebuild year for the Steelers, which it's it's a rebuild year for the Steelers, the question is how successful can they be in that year of rebuilding? And uh, there's still a lot of football to be played. The Steelers, if the Steelers drop this game and go to one and four, 
it is really not unexpected that they would be in that situation. They would be right back to what they were picked to be at the beginning of the season. They just happened to lose a game they were supposed to win and win a game they're supposed to lose. But you know what? They The Steelers just have to go out there and – and and play all out. Sometimes I, that's why I like when the Steelers are underdogs because they're like, you know, can't hold anything back. Can't hold back. Got to go. Got to got to make every play. The Steelers could absolutely win this game, but everything's got to go their way. And they've got a lot of things going their way. They got to take care of the football, but yet still be aggressive with the football. That is a tough balance. The Steelers have to take away the football, but they've also got to not give up the big plays. That's a delicate balance. They've got to win the special teams battle. It's a lot. It's an uphill battle. But you know what? Let's see what this team can do. Let's see how much fight they've got in them going into Buffalo this week at 1 o'clock. Make sure you're checking out all of our podcasts. Catch out, catch the live ones on YouTube and, and Facebook Live uh, every night except Saturday. Uh, make sure you're checking out all the other audio shows that are coming. You know, we got the whole morning lineup, noon lineup. We've got the weekend shows. Lots of stuff to, to take in. Um, hopefully you enjoyed Know Your Enemy last night. Uh, then coming up after this show is the is is the Steelers fan police. I, I mean, what Ian's talking about. Sorry, <laughs> had had to had to get that correction. Um, yeah, the for the the show that likes to tell fans how to act. I mean, that likes to make fun of Steelers fans' bad takes. Um, hey, I'm sorry. Those guys busting everyone. If they can't take getting busted on themselves, then uh, they need a new show. <laughs> but no, I, the, we the, make sure you check out what Ian's talking about. Um, coming up at noon, and then tonight is the preview, the Steelers preview. We will be previewing that Bills game, and uh, we're going to keep coming at you. We're going to have the content on the website. We're going to have the podcasts. The, through it all does win lose draw we are here to cover the pittsburgh steelers and to we will either be joyful together or we will have our sorrows together just make sure we're st- we're still together once again it's great talking to you another thursday in october bring on i don't want to wish away the season but You know what I really want to see, what I want to wish upon us? Some wins. Let's get some wins. And as I always say to finish this out, thanks for the night.